Well, so long as we've got some time to kill, I think I'll have a beer. We don't have no beer, just tequila. What, what's tequila? Yeah, it's like beer. Is it fattening? Fattening? Forget it. If it's like beer, we'll have some. Three tequilas. Sure, sure, amigos. Enjoy yourselves. But try not to get into too much troubles, okay? <laughs> Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. With our guest tonight, Josie, of Rebellion Dogs Publishing. Hello. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Chris. How's everything in Since Right Now land? Uh, good. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, it is good. We were just talking about, um, we're planning a trip to Akron. Founders um, Day. What's that? On Founders Day. Yeah. Have you ever been? I've never been, no. Yeah. It, I, I, you know, it's not like I wouldn't. I yeah. just haven't. <laughs> Let's go. Are you going to meet us there? It feels like we're going to Mecca. Like, there's, like at some point, you got to do this <laughs> trip, right? It, it is kind of the AA Mecca in, yeah. a, in a crazy kind of way. But it, it's also kind of, uh, I, actually, it's more like Graceland, going to Graceland. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's funny. Yeah. I know, because I was looking at the house. It's like, that's the, I mean, it's a house. It's just a regular old house. Yeah. There's a house. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's like a folk hero more than a, yeah. you know, yeah, sort exactly. of iconic religious symbol. Right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so we're going to go there and see what, you know, they got things planned, a little yeah. defense. And, yeah. I mean, they're going to be running shuttles from the university to, I guess, the house. The house, okay. like all day long and stuff like that. So there must sure, be. Yeah, I'm sure there's a gajillion meetings. Yeah. A sober dance. Oh, so many hats. Yeah, if you've never been yeah. to that, that's always good. So, so that's our that's, that's our plan coming up. Uh, are you do you do you do any of that? Any of those the, the big events? I know there's like the big uh, confab in Atlanta at yep. the same yep. weekend, right? Yeah, I do some of them, and uh, it, it just depends. I, I used to be really into it. I used to like the high octane. Um, very stimulating kind of recovery like I love going on road trips and uh, going to young people's conferences all over North America and uh, you know just opening up the back of the grapevine and picking a, a town that had a conference on that weekend and getting four people in a car and taking off you know it's kind of the way I behaved uh, in my drinking days yeah. it's the sober version of uh, you know uh, escapism Healthy, healthier escapism. Yeah. Um, hey, let me let me stop for just one second and, and do an actual proper intro. We just sort of dove in. Okay. Um, with us again tonight with Jeff uh, and myself. I'm Jeff. I'm Chris. Is uh, Joe C of Rebellion Dogs Publishing podcast, uh, the Rebellion Dogs Empire, really? Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> a uh, 
stalwart, longtime um, adherent of AA as an agnostic. Yeah. Is that yeah. fair? And, yeah. and I'll let you uh, yeah. address an update as needed or desired. Yeah. And, uh, well, just on the front page of your thing today, that study that I've been hearing a lot about how Christianity's down, other things are up. It's still number one. It's still number one. Number one. Yeah. You know, and number one only has one direction to go, right? <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, but if we were you in know, a brand I, meeting right now, somebody would be getting yelled at, like. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> someone wasn't managing the brand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, um, I mean, AA is just a mirror of, or it should be a mirror of the society just outside our meeting doors, right? So, yeah. You know, we see this uh, happening in terms of, you know, less and less people are uh, completely buying the mythology that they were raised with. They might have a spiritual connection. They don't necessarily buy into all of the rituals and practices. Uh, I mean, many do their whole life. The majority do. But for those, we'll call them apostates, people who definitely believe or, or were all in. They didn't know if they had a winning hand, but they were going all in. And then started thinking, maybe that is too simple. You know, I let go of, you know, all of those other childhood beliefs. And uh, why am I hanging on to this one? So, so some people do that outside of AA, of course. And uh, that some go from religion to religion to religion, trying Buddhism and trying... Uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, uh, an evangelical uh, form of theism or, you know, uh, something more Quakerish or, um, you know, congregational or something like that. You know, people, it's not a hierarchy. It's not who's right and who's wrong it, because you can't make philosophy a zero-sum game. It's a, a continuum. Some people... Yeah. Uh, aren't open to new experiences and sort of stick with what always worked for them. Other people uh, can't live with, you know, the mundanity of the same old, same old, and they're always trying something new. So, yeah, go ahead. What's interesting is I was really relieved and actually surprised and a little shamed being the, the sort of... I love I love words, and I just this week found out there's a word that perfectly describes my position, and that's an apatheist or an apatheist. Apatheist, and, yes. And I had I'm so surprised, and I, and I, I attributed it to that I, I'm like sort of an OG um, apatheist, in that um, I, I didn't know there was a word because I just didn't care, and um, and I'm just <laughs> well, that's so hard. well. Is that the definition. Basically, I'm just <laughs> so relieved to be rid of atheist and agnostic as definitions for myself because those feel so binary yep. and it feels like I'm, I'm pitting myself against yeah. religion somehow by declaring those things but the reality is um, you know I, I just I'm not interested you know in either really um, I just I don't want to define myself that way the uh, apathist equivalent to let go and let God is don't know don't care kind of yeah that's that's my <laughs> that's sort of mine um, and I'm not saying it's right, but uh, that's how I feel. I, I mean, I, I, that's what I aspire to. Yeah. Because I, I think, you know, there, there comes a point 
where let's get on with what's important, how we relate to each other as human beings, uh, how we steward the earth, how we look after the next generation. Uh, you know, those are the, any of those spiritual beliefs, you know, eventually come down to, okay, it's get busy time. We got things to do. And, uh, but I do care a lot. I do you know, wrestle with those big questions of, you know, the origins of the universe. Mm -hmm. And I, I wish I cared less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. Um, Where are you at today with the uh, big questions of the universe? Oh, I am uh, quite, uh, like, I'm uh, 8 out of 10 atheist. I could be wrong, you know. You can be 100% sure and still be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even a hundred percent sure. So um, uh, my belief is that, uh, well, here I'll—I mean, there, there's four sort of schools of belief I think that are out there, right? And there, there's a north-west uh, continuum, and there's an east-west continuum, and the north-west continuum is. Um, God created the universe like a sort of supernatural worldview that, you know, it was, it, you know, there is intervention, there is a personal God, and the South Pole would be a natural explanation of the universe that, sure, there's mystery, sure, it, there's awe, but there are natural ways to explain all this. So, so that's your North and South Pole, right. and your East and West Pole are complex versus binary thinking, mm -hmm. sort of uh, agnostic versus uh, get off the fence post, you know, either it is or it isn't type of thinking. So people are either lean towards belief in a higher power uh, of that magnitude and are sure, uh, or they're absolutely sure there isn't, and that's where most of the debate happens, the new atheists fighting the theological scholars. Mm -hmm. And then over on the other side, on the agnostic side, there's the, um, well, there, uh, I'm, my gut feeling is there's something more than the material world, but nothing in human religion has explained it to my satisfaction. So I believe there's something, but it would be a god of my lack of understanding. My the incomprehensibleness of God is what I understand so I don't pretend to have a narrative to define it or on the other side that you know maybe there is maybe there isn't but it, it doesn't affect you know doing the next right thing that's uh, my I have a moral compass it's a internal guidance system that I go by uh, we in the big book they call that the um, we found we tapped an unsuspected inner resource that we presently identify with as a power greater than us. Mm -hmm. That's our value system, our higher purpose, or whatever. But there's nothing necessarily theistic about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a value system. Uh, although any theist would go you know, would hear me talk that way and go, that's, that's God it. talking to you, man. Right, mm -hmm. right. But your conscience is, uh, you know, uh, the Lord speaking to you in mysterious ways. Right. Mm -hmm. 
they have that obvious theistic narrative uh, that there's a God for them and a God for me too, right? So, so there's these four different quadrants, and the apotheist falls in the uh, probably not. Uh, there's no way of knowing. Uh, you know, the, anyone who's agnostic will look at those debates you see between the theists and the, uh, you know, uh, hardline atheists, mm -hmm. and, or, or the question that Bill Wilson presents to us, either God is or he is not, what is your answer to be? Mm -hmm. And if you answer that question, you fail in the eyes of the agnostic, because who are you to say there is? Who are you to say there isn't? I mean, it's a, it turns philosophy again into a zero-sum game, which it, it just isn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, I love the idea that, or it always has felt really comfortable that there is everybody has this certain divine spirit within inside, whether these are these morals or, and you don't, alcohol and addiction cover those things up. And somehow we rediscover these things, and when we surrender to a higher power, or you're just—it's almost like you're allowing them to to come to the forefront or something. And that's always felt really good to me, whether it's there's a higher power or not. There's the there's this certain thing in all of us, right? Mm -hmm. the, it, and it's the divine in everyone, whatever that is, right? That's always felt good. And 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 you we can agree on that uh, without having to agree on whether there's um, an intervening, interfering God pulling right. the strings or not. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, I'm just relieved to be in the... I've finally found a way to define my sensation, which is that, um, yeah, I can't, I can't discount one side or the other. Right. Um, You're on roll, man. What's that? Yeah. That you were... Uh, what's that fancy word for emotionally retarded? I'm thinking of last week's show. Um, you were... Oh, oh, uh, emotional uh, dysregulation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I uh, always <laughs> because I remember uh, going through psychotherapy, and you know they ask, "How do you feel?" I go, "Feel." Right. What do you? And and they'd give me a menu. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, that's the word, oh, right, that uh, Paul brought up, like, I love that word, too, lexothemia, where you don't have, you don't have the words to describe your feelings. Yeah, that lexothemia. was Lexothemia. Yeah, I, because that, learning that stuff yeah. was, was great, because, um, like, he was referring to something I had said earlier, which mm -hmm. is that um, sobriety doesn't solve our problems, it exposes them. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very true. Right. Wow. And, yeah, you were talking about, you know, talking about life's, uh, you know, troubles and tribulations and how do you stay sober through, through the you know, other illnesses or losing a loved one or a job or being humiliated or, you know, just something that makes you question is life fair, right? Right, and that's exactly for the audience. That's where we're we're headed with this episode is yeah. um, maintaining sobriety long term to some degree. Because I, I think for me, it's been a, that's the question is as as I get further into my sobriety mm -hmm. and as I've progressed, um, you know, how do I meet these challenges that I used to meet with, um, you know, numbing myself, self medicating myself. Right. But um, yeah, how do you get through those those challenges and um, 
So yeah, and I, wh- I mean, we can jump in. I know for myself what, um, you know, uh, it was getting close to a decade now, maybe seven, eight years. Um, right around the time I, I'd been working with Jeff actually and Matt, who who isn't here tonight. Um, I think we addressed a couple episodes back. He now that he's uh, a year into his sobriety, he's got a, a life back and he's he's living it, and we don't fault him for that. So he's at a concert tonight. Um, yep. Sometimes the promises happen outside the rooms, you know. Ex- exactly. So we're we're happy for him and glad that he's you know out and about and enjoying life sober. Um, but anyway, so you know we were all working together, and I had been sliding into I think a a, a depression. Yeah. Um, it's clear that I had been now, and um, you know I think the. the Connie wasn't doing great, and also I was just a pain in the ass. And quite frankly, I was working for Jeff. He was my boss at the time. Yes. And I was, there's no two ways about it. I'll own it. I was a miserable fuck. I was a terrible employee, and I was overpaid, quite frankly, for what I was <laughs> contributing. Um, and uh, Joe, Jeff had the unenviable um, task of, you know, letting me go. And, um, you know, I, I was not making his job any easier because of my depression. I wasn't really fully processing my self in in a recovery way, in a recovery sense. I think I've referenced before on the show that um, I wasn't trying to be my best self. I was trying to be better than other people. And that was really um, doing some damage to my psyche. And I slid into this really bad depression. I'll, I'll wrap this up. but And, you know, the easy thing at that point probably would have been to self-medicated yeah i knew that something had to happen because it was bad it was this could probably be enough of this life bad um and uh you know i've I've told this other part of the story before that you know ultimately what i ended up doing was going on ssris um on lexapro and i credit that with being a lifesaver now but um you know it's medicated and you know it's sort of a you know, if you got out the scale and your way in the options, you know, you know, uh, approved, prescribed, doctor recommended medicating or self-medicating, self-medicating certainly would have been the easier option. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, how I process that. And it's, it's you know, all these things that happen on this show and, and through this project are because I'm curious about how to understand my feelings mm-hmm. um, and my the way I process my recovery and my sobriety, because I'm, I'm not sure how I got through it. I'm not sure why I didn't yeah, pick up back what you did. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, because it would have been so easy. I was at home alone all day, basically, yeah. um, depressed. And um, y- you know, I, I think that's as close as I ever came to a, a relapse. I think you know, for me, it's interesting. I mean, shame is a huge motivator, and just yeah. not being able to face. Um, what I imagine would be just, I don't know, letting people down, disappointing people. Did you feel that way? Um, I think, yeah, I think yeah. is what what kept me from getting too close to it. Um, that I, I, what had gotten me into it finally, my, my rock bottom had been just really a lot of, it was the, the, the real nudge over the edge had been a real extreme shame-based sensation that I was just, you know, a, a, yeah. a mess. Yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that I've processed it or figured out how I dodged that that relapse, but or how I got through it. Yeah. But you, yeah, you probably just. I don't know I don't if know. it helps anybody to say yeah. shame is powerful. Use your shame to get through it. <laughs> um, but uh, that's crazy. Well, yeah, that is. A, I find that 
when I'm going through um, the unthinkable, whatever it is, is I, I'm a control freak and I, I want to feel like I can control the outcome. And you talked about shame and one of the games we play with ourselves, and I see others go through this a lot. I, you know, I often work with what I call uh, fallen angels, right? That mm-hmm. they were going along great, you know, that, you know, they had the world by the tail and they sort of uh, hit the wall or something, right? And, uh, and that's hard to talk about when you're 12 years sober or 22 years sober yeah. or 32 years sober because, hey, no one wants to hear it. Right. Yeah. You know, that that's, you know, we're, that's we're all trying to get sober here. We don't want to hear about your, you know, uh, um, angst uh, and your existential problems. You know, tell us how great it's going to be. Right. So. But um, so they need someone to talk to. And uh, <laughs> and I find that taking the blame for my circumstances, like I shouldn't be depressed or I shouldn't have let that happen, is a false sense of control because the world is chaotic mm-hmm. and these things are, there are many things we can do, yes, there is internal locus of control and there is external locus of control if you get into a psychology class about it, but I. I, I have an overdeveloped uh, sense of responsibility, and I will feel ashamed for things that really uh, anyone else looking at it would go, you know, that was momentum. It was going with you, and then it was going against you. You, you, you had all the right intentions when it was going well, you had all the right intentions when it was going badly, but now you're taking the blame for everybody's anger or everybody's uh, heartbreak or whatever and and sometimes it's just you're doing the best you can and it doesn't work you swing and you miss the bases yeah. are loaded the team needed yeah you know you, you can't say there was a, a hiccup in my swing right you know that's too late for that right it's mm-hmm. just, you know there's a lot we can't control and um, and it, just accepting the mess I lost a, a great mentor recently. Ernie Kurtz uh, died in January, and uh, he wrote uh, a lot of books that have influenced me. Um, one of them was called The Spirituality of Imperfection. And, you know, I have a, a secret, you know, you know, it's some, sometimes people write a song, and I go, I wish I wrote that. And, yeah. and that's yeah. a title I wish I'd thought of. It, it's such a totally. perfect title. Yeah. Spirituality of imperfection and what that tells me is this is here this is now life isn't when you get good enough when you've done your fourth step when uh, you know uh, your domestic situation has improved or you've made your amends all we have is right here and right now let's deal with it let's not you know be dwelling on the future or, or stuck in the past, let's stick with the here and now. And that is hard to do when we're in the in the thick of it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just told Chris this today. Karma, karma, Chris. Like, uh, I got let go today from my job. 
and I had called Chris earlier and told him that. Um, and it's funny because at no point, and it, you know, you think I've I've heard my sponsor say this enough and told other guys, you know, you want to have a good enough program that it's not just when the first thing that's bad happens to you, but then two things that happen to you are bad, and three things that happen to you that are bad, and all you know, all kind of piles on you, and you that's the point where it's, you know, you have this higher power or whatever this thing is that's going to get you through this. And that echoed through my head today. Um, and it's funny because the job itself was what it was. I'd be like, it's, this, we're in this business where it just happens a mm-hmm. lot. And so I've been through this before. And it is, sometimes it, you know, you look at it like, well, that was my fault. And sometimes you're like, this was a bad fit. It right. just probably wasn't ever going to work out. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I was not surprised by it, I guess. I hmm. guess I understood the whole thing. But um yeah, but it's still. Yeah, still there's all your head starts up and you start to, you know, the demons mm-hmm. and the voices and insecurities mm-hmm. and all that stuff and you you can see where that leads you if you're going to play with that. If you're going to let right. that happen, right? So I went to my meeting tonight and came here. There was no doubt that I was going to do any of those things. Right. Uh because that's what you do, right? That's right. what you do in in the moment is whatever that thing is, you you at this point you there's it's like i know better i know better than to mess with this thing i've heard too many stories um where you just don't do what you're supposed to do and who knows you know it's the first night but you just take it a day at a time and and uh realize and you can beat yourself up over it and you can all you know get insecure about it and you can think oh you're not good enough or whatever those things are that just pop up in your head and man, you can take that down a road. Right. You can take that down a mental road to whatever. Sure. Um, to justify whatever you want to do. Justify whatever yeah. you want to do. But, and uh, yeah, you can just get your ass to a meeting and come do this podcast. Well, and the and the thing is, the reality is, giving into that, yeah. and and it's it's weird that it's not such an obvious thing. Somehow it feels like a revelation to be. You give into it. It's not going to change the circumstances. No, I it's know. not going to change anything before or anything after. You just will have yep. numbed yourself so true. for a moment. Yep. And you can only hope to maintain that numbness yep. if, if that's the plan you, you, you have. Um, and it's interesting. It was kind of a revelation to me, too. It's like Jeff had called and let me know, and I got off the phone, and you know, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about the podcast. And so I, I texted him, and I'm like, at the risk of seeming insensitive, right. are we still <laughs> doing the podcast tonight? And it, to me, it was sort of a testament to your strength because I'm like, well, shit, you know, that's that's – that's how you get on. He just went, of course we are. It, which, yeah. you know, a lot of people wouldn't have that reaction. And I think that's... Yeah. Well, you know, and and Joe, you, you've been around pity parties. You know, you know where that can lead. And that's a tough place to be. And, uh, you know, you, you don't want to go there, certainly. And it's easy. To go too far. Yeah. We, we have a, a binge and purge mentality when it comes to recovery or overcoming life's troubles, right? Where you, you need to uh, be authentic. And I, I, I say a, a crying man is not um, an emotionally unstable man. It's a very healthy man, right? You know, when it's time to cry. When it's time to be angry, be angry, right? It, you know, the feeling isn't the problem. It's it's when you don't process the feeling and it becomes resentment and you're up and they're sleeping soundly, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not... 
you know, you, you have to deal with the all these unknowns, right? You're, you know, how long will this period of unemployment be, right? Yep, I mean, yep. You can easily start ruminating where every interview becomes tenser and tenser and, you know, it just, just got to sort of ride it out. Yep. Yeah, all those, all that fear pops into your head immediately. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we, we, because, you know, the 12-step modality is an abstinence-based thing, it's kind of, a, you know, all or nothing, black and white, binge and purge type of approach to the thing, you know, complete reckless abandon, complete chaos, and then we need order in our life. But not rigidity. Mm. We need enough order, and we but we don't want to abandon our spontaneity. We we need spontaneity and order in life. That's balancing on the teeter totter, one foot on either side, mm-hmm. in perfect balance, weighing back and forth. You you if you want more order, it becomes rigid, and if you keep going, it becomes fascist. When, 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 I mean that's a strong word, but when I'm fascist. Not only am I right, but you're wrong, mm-hmm. and only one of us can survive. And you know, it becomes, uh, you know, again, you you get into that craziness, right? Any kind of belief or or practice that becomes uh, pathological is is unhealthy. Even recovery, you, it, it, that's where we get recovery zealots, right? Where mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of wide-eyed and you know. You'd be scared to have your kids sponsored by them. <laughs> but, I mean, they're not giving the wrong message. They're just, you know, that they've gone too far in the orderly, and they, they you know, they, they're afraid of spontaneity because it can lead to chaos, and that chaos can lead to nihilism, right? That's the other extreme. You don't want to be nihilistic. That's when, you, you know... Don't know, don't care is okay about, you know, sort of supernatural factors, but don't know, don't care about my life and the people I love right. and the world we live in. That's 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 not workable. Yeah. Because uh, you know that's total nihilism. That's no mm. good. And we've all been there, right? Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's still, I, I still, um, you know, I was just in with my therapist today talking about it, I think at, at my core, I'm a nihilist. Um, and, uh, like your default setting. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't give a fuck. Is I, I don't give a fuck. What, <laughs> do, do, what, I mean, that's the foundation on which this, um, you know, castle is built yeah. this, this temple. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's, I mean, it's an interesting nihilism. Obviously I'm here and I'm laughing yeah, and, yeah. you know, I'm, I, uh, you know, but, um, nihilism light. It, well, something I don't know. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to go there. It's, it's easy just to throw, yeah. you know. That's, that seems very it's certainly what got me here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and great art comes from there, and yeah. great philosophical uh, questions come from there. It, it's it's not it, none of these places are wrong. Just like you know, there's a time for rigid orderliness, mm-hmm. I suppose, right? You know, but it's a matter of uh, keeping, uh, respecting the other side and and seeing our capacity for both. I can be manic mm. or I can be nihilistic. And, 
and being manic isn't a cure for my depression. Right. Right. Being all uh, Pollyanna, you know, uh, you know, being, you know, a cheerleader for recovery or, or any of those things is, is I've gone too far when I get all evangelical about, you know, a certain brand of recovery. Right. And I do. I have the capacity for that because it's a buzz, right? When you get into that mindset, you know, we're going to win, you know, I'm on the right path. It it feels good, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we know that feeling too, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, well, exactly. Know that feeling. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I'm surprised at how, I mean, there, you know, we've sat in meetings before where people have gone through so many, so many horrific things and stayed sober. You know, it's mm-hmm. not right. It's 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 one of those things. Life happens. Sometimes it's the peace and calm that um, unsettles the alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, because we I'm with going you. from those opposite extremes of that manic to depressed to chaos to you know uh, virtue. You know, it just that seems to be, uh, when I was younger, uh, I, I didn't, balance was not an attractive proposition for me. It, you know, it seemed like a provisional life. Uh, give me the opposite extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think I would, I'd fear, I think when things are going well, and not that I'm close to drink and, and either thing, mm-hmm. knock on wood, but probably would be closer in a party situation. Right. Then when you know you got to hunker down and get in the middle of the boat when when the shit's going not going mm-hmm. your way, right? So and, uh, that's part not of, a time to be leaning over and trying to see the bottom of the lake. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I wish he was here for this only because I, I don't want to put words in his mouth or tell his story. But I feel like you know Matt wouldn't mind that we say it, it seems like he might have fallen prey to a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, this last time that things were going all right and getting back yeah. right Look, yeah <laughs> so, it wasn't that hard to get right. something semblance of a life back um yeah. so but uh well i mean i mean that's what this last relapse before yeah. that things were going all right yeah right yeah. okay yeah. yeah yeah um he blew it up I, twice that's right. just, we're, we're all capable right yeah. you know i find you know there is a certain naivety in the idea that one day our character defects will be removed and will be just uh, I'll be virtuous Joe mm. and I'll never have ego and I'll never have anger and I'll never have doubt I mean, that's just not the reality I'm capable of great virtue and I'm capable of narcissism I'm capable of being exploitive and using people and being self-destructive I, I mean that's never going to change I never get to be free of that mm-hmm. that's the me I wake up to every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm with you. We're right there. It, yeah. It, it's interesting. My, my my wife and I were having a discussion tonight about, um, well, quite frankly, about why we're, we're a good match. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, and I just recently read this study that um, something like, I don't know, 60% of the conflict in a marriage or a, a, a a relationship mm-hmm. um, are sort of uh, they're baked into the the individuals. So you're all those they're always going to be there. You're not going to change those things about each other. Okay. So sixty percent, sixty percent of okay. them are baked in. They're yeah. never going to be resolved. Right. Um, 
And so if you accept those and figure out how to yeah. you know, mitigate those for yourself, yeah. then you can focus on the 40 that are alterable, that are resolvable ah. challenges. And, um, That's awesome. Both to thinking you can be 100%, you know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but, but I think... That, do you know the 60% or do you got to figure that part out? No, but I think... I think um, well, my wife and I, I always attribute that our... our good working relationship yeah. to the fact that we w- literally worked together for a number of years right. before we were right. even a uh, twinkle in the other's eye. Right, right. And so we worked out all these, um, you know, uh, yeah, inter- it, how to interact with each other yep. and conflict resolution yep. in a professional way yeah, before yeah. we had a, a relationship. Right. Um, anyway, that's sort of beside the point, but also to your point, Joe, is that um, you, these things aren't going to disappear. Who you are is 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 going to be who you are, and it's how to make that work um, with others. Basically, how to play nice with others is the challenge, and how to play nice with your, um, uh, you know, addictive challenges. Yep. And, and I, I an AA is geared to help us see that, uh, but then you know the the hard part is you know, living with it, that, that awareness, right? That you, we, we don't live in ignorance. We see ourselves for who we really are. And the, the shame of that can overwhelm us or, or the insecurity of not feeling good enough because mm-hmm. at my best, I'm a flawed, incomplete person. Yeah. There's my message of hope. There's your message of hope, man. <laughs> at, at my best. But everyone is, right? Yeah. That's it. Everyone is. So everyone listening, That's at your beauty. best, you can only hope to be a piece of shit. <laughs> um, can you read something? Can you read something? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. There, there's something uh, that just, just both of you were talking, and it made me think of this, and I, I let me just find it here. Sorry, everyone in Radio Land. No so, so this this little story uh, was actually read uh, by uh, Ernie Kurtz's uh, younger uh, sister. Now, this is a man. He was um, uh, he'd become a priest, and then he went back to post secondary school and became a uh, you know got a master's in philosophy and then a PhD in history and became a university professor and got married and all kinds of things. Total intellectual. Mm-hmm. Wow. He, could, he could find... Uh, one of the books he wrote uh, is called Not God, A History of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he was the first person to have access to AA's archives and to have you know complete access mm-hmm. to read every letter Bill Wilson ever wrote back to a member. And 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 he was doing this history of Alcoholics Anonymous for his PhD uh, and later Hazelton said you know there's about a million people that would love to read that there are the AA members why don't you make a book out of it right wow. and he had to go back to AA and say well how do you feel about that because I mean he talks about Bill Wilson doing LSD and you know just things that you know aren't uh, you know, again, we're all flawed, incomplete people. Uh, he did LSD when it was considered maybe a, you know, a true connection to the conscious consciousness or mm-hmm. whatever they were calling it. In the, I mean, it was even before the 60s. But anyway, 
I mean, he did it. I, I, I have no opinion on that. Um, but, um, you know, you know, there, there's a lot of hero worship, and, and how would the membership react to that? And he said, you know, there is nothing for this man to be ashamed of or Alcoholics Anonymous to be ashamed of. I'm going to leave it in, and you know, it, and 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 it was what it was. Right. So anyway, he's, you know, he's a, a great, uh, a very disciplined writer. He's a very disciplined researcher, and uh, but he could find uh, sort of spirituality anywhere. And this is from a, a story uh, from the turn of the century called the Velveteen Rabbit. How. Uh, uh, toys become real. Did ever hear of it? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is a short passage. Uh, between them, the poor little rabbit was made to feel himself very insignificant and commonplace, and the only person that was kind to him was the skin horse. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath, and most of his hair in his tail had been pulled out to string bead necklaces. He was wise, for he had seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive to boast and swagger, and by and by break their mainsprings and pass away, and he knew that they were only toys and would never turn into anything else. For nursery magic is very strange and wonderful, and only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced like the skin horse understood all about it. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were lying uh, side by side in the, the nursery. Um, does it mean having things that buzz inside like a, a stick or a handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt, asked the rabbit? Sometimes, said the skin horse for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily, or have sharp edges, or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off, and your eyes droop, and you get loose in the joints, and you're very shabby. But these things don't matter at all, because once you're real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. I suppose you're real, said the rabbit, and then he wished he hadn't said it, for he thought the skin horse might be sensitive. But the skin horse only smiled. That's cool. That's pretty amazing. And and that's what you know. I, again, uh, on the spirituality of imperfection theme, right? Yeah. It, we never get to spike the football and say we've made it, right? Like with the as the credits roll and right. the whole, right. right? You know, it's we're just 
we're in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's all there is. Yeah. And if you can't appreciate that, then then you're missing it, right? If you're waiting for it to to spike the football, it's not. It's never going to come, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that capacity to to just sort of be right yeah. and yeah, uh, mindfulness uh, teaches that. Uh, you know, you were uh, um, Chris. You were talking about being aware of your feelings right. and there's other signs too you know what are my thoughts because we don't control the thoughts that come into our head right. we, you know we don't force them out I don't believe we can create complete stillness other than you know maybe a frontal lobotomy right. <laughs> right. you know and we have sensations right you know why am I clenching my teeth you know why is my stomach tight right you know it just but being aware of them, there's signs there. How do I feel? What am I thinking? And they're not right or wrong thoughts. They're just what they are, right? And we can be anxious and we can be um, wanting. And it doesn't mean we're failing at life, right? It just, you know, that's our, we're evolving as a species. We're not there yet. <laughs> Anyone who spikes a football, it'll be a few generations from now, that's for sure. Right. Well, there you uh, go. Yeah, wherever you go, there you are. That's some heady stuff. It's surprisingly, uh, yeah, the 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 velveteen rabbit, uh, I think, took us to uh, as heady a place as we've we've been. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't. I'm not ashamed to say I cried when I heard it being read. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's you know a it's a powerful sentiment. What it makes me want to do is get the book, and I, I realize I, I do know the book. I feel like it was mm-hmm. read to me as a child, or I yeah, read it yeah. as a child, um, and now I feel remiss that I haven't read it to my daughter. But it's like <laughs> tomorrow I'm rushing out to get it because I want to experience that again. But um, I, I remember reading it to my son, uh, but at the time it was being read. I didn't remember it having great meaning for myself. Right. And when it was being read, you know, at someone's funeral, man, did it have, uh, you know, meaning. Absolutely, yeah. It talks about, you know, you you, when you're real, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not afraid of hurting. Because the uh, option is not being real. Yeah, and I, and yeah, and I guess, you know, it, it's hard to... Yeah, and I guess it's not a judgment. I mean, some people are very comfortable not being real, and I guess that's okay. And also, I mean, I suppose we'd have to really define real, but um, I think as far as recovery goes, um, it, I mean, that gives you the, at least, I mean, that that was what I I found most rewarding, particularly early on in my sobriety and recovery, was that I finally at least, if nothing else, whatever I was feeling, I knew it's what I was feeling. I knew I was me. Um, and it was, that was a strange and wonderful sensation was to finally not, not know, cause I didn't know right away, but have the, the possibility to know who I was, was finally, um, there, which I hadn't realized, you know, was, was not available to me, yeah. um, before. And, uh, you know, so I guess getting real is yeah. is, is what you have the, the opportunity to yeah. do. Well, yeah, it's just interesting that, you know, by the time to to be loved, you have to 
find that, right? right. To truly find something. Yeah. And then that makes you the way that is. It's interesting. So what's coming up on Rebellion Dogs, my friend? <laughs> Anything hot coming up? Yeah, I got a couple of hot things coming up. Awesome. Going to New York City. Nice. I'm doing, I've been invited to come do some research in the archives, uh, sort of following the path of one of my heroes. Wow. And um, I look forward to reporting on that. But uh, there's been... Um, uh, there's been several times in history, it seems, that members have said, hey, we need a, a pamphlet for agnostics. Hmm. You know, it would help people who don't have the popular worldview feel like they're not, you know, getting it wrong. They're just, you know, they're left-handed instead of right-handed, right? right. You know, it's, it's unfamiliar, but it's not unworkable and it would also help believers understanding that sometimes no belief in God isn't an act of uh, defiance it's not an act of intellectual stubbornness it's just like all of our favorite colors are different we can work with that so many times this idea for this pamphlet has come up and then never happened like we have a, a pamphlet for uh, young people, for the LGBT community, for women, for people in the army, because they think they're different. Yeah. The uh, a- Aboriginal or Native North Americans, uh, you know, young, old. Uh, but every time it comes to, well, let's talk about AA, you know, from the point of view of someone who doesn't uh, have a god, th- there's something that leaves a bad taste in the general population yeah. somehow gets uh, put on the back burner. So I, I'm going to be looking at the uh, literature committees and minutes and notes and, and see what happened every time these things came up and the sort of cause and effect of that <laughs> and sort of uh, recording that history because every committee that dealt with it was in complete absence of all of the other times in history that other committees have dealt with that same quantity. How do we get this across without it being threatening or insulting to some of our other members, right? Yeah. That's great. That's a big task. That's a big task, and I'm really looking forward to it. And while I'm there, I'm also taking in Book Expo America, learning a little bit more about the publishing industry. And I hope to interview some other authors. Uh, Erica Spiegelman uh, is a, a recovery counselor from out west, and she wrote a book called Rewired, which I was fascinated by, and so I'm going to interview her about that book. I think she's on to some great ideas. And, um, yeah, so New York is always something to look forward to. That's Absolutely. Kind of- and and you write, I mean, everything you'll write and, and podcast about all of that at uh, rebelliondogs.com, right? Rebellion Dogs Publishing. Publishing. Um, you know, oh, yeah. any if I'd been working with great, savvy advertising, branding people like you, you would have said that, you yes, know, we're going to take that into a URL, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, you know what? People just search now. It doesn't matter what the URL right. is. I'm convinced. It just pops up. I searched right. you for you. I put rebellion dogs in, and you're the first Boom. thing yeah. today. So, and uh, it didn't matter. 
And on Twitter, your rebellion dogs, right? Yeah, I, I think there's a an underscore in the middle. I don't know. All right, all right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll put it in the liner notes for yeah. you. Okay. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it, if you get like a hankering on June first, second week of June, you want to meet us down there. No, the 12th through the 15th. Yeah, is when, you, yeah, we'll be there, Akron. And that goes out to everybody. We want to meet <laughs> right. you all in Akron. Anyone coming, let us know. Yeah, everyone, you got to do this. You got to, you got to, like going to Graceland. It's or the 80th going. year. It'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. 80th year. That's crazy, right? We're going to load up the truck. Yeah. And, uh,. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, um, great to talk to you, Joe. Always, always good stuff. It is absolutely wonderful. I, I think we ended the last time we talked on just how, in in this era with technology the way it is, it really the only our imagination can limit what we can do with carrying on the the recovery discussion. I, I think it's great what you're doing and uh, other people are catching on. Podcasting is becoming uh, more and more popular and I think it's a natural for anonymous fellowships. It's a great way to sort of spread the world. Like you were talking to someone in Ireland. In, I, an Irishman in Wales uh, last, yeah, which was fantastic. Yeah, And uh, yeah, it was funny. That was the that last episode was the first episode where one guest pre- hyped the next episode because he, he was a fan of your your first episode so um I, i've i've enjoyed everyone you've had well on. i know you're a terrific fan joe no oh absolutely i'm yeah yeah i'm not only a, a guest but a, <laughs> but a supporter a i should That's say right. yeah your, your support is very much appreciated not only do i own hair club for men but i happen to be a client <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks joe Okay, have a great time in Akron. Thanks, sir. You bet. Talk to you. Can I ask you one thing before you read, Joe? Okay, yeah, sure. Is there any possibly fan or anything going in the room you're in? Uh, no. Okay.